Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. everybody online. How are y'all out there? Wherever there is, someplace in uh, Calgary or someplace in Canada. Just want to welcome you all here. It's good to have church and uh, hope you didn't take your snow tires off quite yet. <clears throat> Apparently it's April, but schizophrenic out there in terms of weather. Thank you, worship team. That was excellent. Um, Hey, I'm just going to have Joanne come on up here just for a second. Do you want to just grab a service mic? And I uh, want to welcome uh, our executive pastor, Pastor Joanne Cannon. <clears throat> Last week when we were praying for people, God gave her a vision. I, I thought I'd have her share it with you so you can um, make it real in your life. Go ahead, share. <clears throat> so, um, first of all, I'm not a gambler, just so you no. guys all know. But <laughs> as Pastor Lauren was praying over people uh, last <clears throat> Sunday, if you remember the a lot of people came forward, um, and what I saw was a slot machine. And as people took a chance and came forward and believed, um, the lever or lever was pulled. And literally, it was the mechanics. It was our mind, body, and spirit that were being aligned and clicking into where it needed to be. So it was just a beautiful picture. Excellent. See, isn't that great? So part of thank you. Just, um, we can't always see, right? We do stuff by faith. We can't always see what's happening. But when someone gets a picture of what's happening, I felt this really important to you today. So, um, okay, this morning we're going to uh, do some, some very cool things. We're going to do some brain exercises and, uh, that are better than Sudoku for your brain. Uh, I want to talk about neuroplasticity somewhat. Uh, don't think that's, like, don't be too impressed. I did take a crash course this week from uh, Ted. He gives lots of talks, so I got, and also Mr. Google helped me out a lot, and uh, so I'm going to share about that today, about the renewing of our mind, and uh, so this will be part two of our mini-series, and so um, I'm looking forward to what, what might happen when we talk about today, about our thoughts. Uh, six times in the New Testament, six times in the New Testament, the word thought is used. It's used five times in 2 Corinthians. And many times when we read through that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, about our battle and how it's in the heavenlies, or sorry, it's in the, um, how we, how we uh, tear down strongholds and by taking down proud arguments. This is not Satan you're wrestling with. This is your thoughts. And so if we can get a hold of our thoughts, I believe that we can get a hold of our life. If you have great thoughts, you have a great life. If your thoughts are trashy, you're going to have a trashy life. It's just the way it sort of works. And um, so I believe God gives us his thoughts on a regular basis. Um, we're told in Isaiah 55 that his thoughts are not our thoughts. And uh, the result uh, of that, I think the, the, the conviction behind that is we can actually get a hold of his thoughts. And when we do so, we begin to walk on earth with heavenly thoughts. We'll be able to walk with his mind and make decisions based on his specific thought processes. And so I'm going to pray for that this morning for us. 
uh, towards the end. They're going to make some declarations over us to help us uh, drill that into our heart. I want us to look at Joshua chapter 1, and, um, and I want to talk about the way that we change our minds. <clears throat> we get to pick our thoughts. You don't get to pick your emotions. So uh, if you try that, try that. Just say, I'm, you know, I'm going to like somebody that you don't like. I'm, it doesn't work. You pick your thoughts about that person, and your thought then directs your emotion. And so, so what we need to do is change our thoughts. It's actually very cruel to tell someone they shouldn't feel this way because they have no control over their feelings. They have control over their thoughts, and then the result of that will affect their emotions and their feelings. So Joshua chapter 1, who didn't have a father, <clears throat> it says he's the son of none. Thank you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God doesn't wave a wand and we have success in our life. He invites us to meditate upon his word and then our ways, then you will have good success. So he gives us direction for that. There's another passage in Colossians that I forgot to read this morning. It's one of those 316s. I've got, I have a special place where I keep 316s. It's Colossians 3.16 where it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's an interesting phrase. Not, doesn't, doesn't say memorize it. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, live there, uh, and not just live there as a squatter, but live there richly. I love that. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, uh, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. In other words, taking the, thing, the words that are coming into you, allowing that word to come into you, then you will know what to do with that, which is wisdom. It's applying revealed truth. So when we look at how we change our minds, the renewal of our minds, last week we looked at that pretty closely, and uh, we find in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where it says, don't be conformed to this world. Therefore, brother, sorry, therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's a, that's a fascinating thing. Uh, we worship by presenting our bodies. When we come and worship, we, what, part of what we worship is we're presenting ourselves. We're not sitting there like, uh, we're presenting ourselves. Actually, one of the, one of the uh, when you raise your hands in the air, one of the, the uh, what do you call that? It's, it, one of the meanings of that was, uh, I agree with what's being said. It was, an, it was some, one way that they would seal an agreement uh, in the Old Testament is they would put their hands in the air. I know for us it's surrender, but present your bodies as living sacrifice. Two living sacrifices in the Bible. One was Isaac was placed on the altar, and when he got off the altar, he was a living sacrifice. There was one other that was put on a cross as a sacrifice, and he now lives forever. And his name is Jesus. So there's two living sacrifices. And he says, don't be conformed to the mold of this world, world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may test and discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. 
All right, so we're transforming the process of renewing our minds results in transformation of our lives. So here's, here's how our brain works. This was my little course on neuroscience, which I think is fascinating. Um, I've never quite known how this worked exactly before, but I think, it's, I think it's just fascinating. When you think a thought, it creates a little path. It's called a neural pathway. And if, the next time you think that thought, it's easier to think because it already has a path. Now, in northern Saskatchewan, where I was raised, we had snowmobiles. Uh, they weren't nearly like the snowmobiles you have now. And we had real winter. But I mean, we had lots and lots of snow. And so uh, the snowmobiles that <laughs> didn't have much power, um, we would, there would always be one who would be a trail breaker, and then the others would come behind him. Well, the ones that came behind him, he'd already broke the trail, packed the snow down, um, taken the brunt of it, and now it's so easy just to come behind. So this is the process that your mind goes through. It thinks a thought, takes a thought, and then the next time you think that thought, it's very easy for that thought pattern to continue. Pretty soon that becomes a habit, and that habit can turn into a stronghold. And a stronghold is something that holds you strong. Thank you for listening. So that's what a stronghold is. But it began just as a thought, simple thought. And uh, it doesn't need to be a true thought. It doesn't need to be a good thought. Your mind is indiscriminate at the thoughts. But once a thought makes one pass, if you don't stop it right away, it now creates this little pathway. And that's how our brain works. A thought process that's re repeated becomes a worn path, and so our, feeling, our behaviors and feelings are outcomes of our beliefs and our thoughts. So we don't have control of our emotions, they just happen, but they are a result of our thinking. You want to change your feelings, you change the way you think. Okay? Okay. Let's, let's move along because we're going to do some exercises in a minute, so get ready, like warm yourself up. Uh, so here's how our feelings are, are the result of our thought life. So here's Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to do um, a brain exercise. So you need to all be involved in this. Like, like uh, don't, be, uh, don't be too proud to do an exercise with me, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I want you to hold your hands out in front of you. Just set your papers down and let them sit in your nap. Yeah, that's right. Like, like you're riding a motorcycle. Kind of. <laughs> don't make any noises. I'm just saying. So what we're going to do is we're going to lift. On one, on one hand, we're going to lift a thumb. And on the other hand, we're going to lift a little finger. Okay? One, two, three, go. Not bad. Now switch it over. Switch it over again. Switch it. You've just, this, you now have done a brain exercise. This is better than Sudoku because you're left and right, so you have a different, right, different hemispheres. They do different things. Let's do another one. Tap your chest with this hand and rub, rub it like this. Yeah. Yeah, now switch over. See, it's a little easier for that one way or the other. My hypothesis is one, okay, okay you're having too much fun. That's, it's too much patting and rubbing. Another one you can do is you can try is to do, make a triangle with one hand and then a circle with the other. And then switch them over. I know you think this should be like simple stuff, but, you, but you're, you're training your brain. Do this for like a little while. Okay, Tom, you can't do it. Just give up. Just, just, no, don't do that. That's not even one of what I was saying. Uh, but but the, the point is... Uh, and this is, uh, if you are wanting to retrain your brain, like if you've had a, you know, a concussion or something, you, you have to retrain the way your, your, your brain works. And this is all to say that your brain is trainable. That's good news. Uh, the fact is your brain has already been trained. That may or may not be good news. 
But let me just describe what happens. The Bible says that we're to renew our mind. It doesn't say to renew your brain. Your brain is part of your physical being. It's made of dust. One day, your brain will be no more. It'll return to dust. But your mind is eternal. And one day, we will be literally thinking in our right mind because we're going to get a new mind. We'll be able to function with the mind of Christ. Our minds will be renewed. In the, in the meantime, we have to do that ourselves, which is a process. So think of it this way. Your brain is like a computer, and neurons are your brain cells. A, a, a neuron is like a switch, like a computer works on off. This just switches. Each neuron has lots of inputs called dendrites. But, okay, so by the way, if, someone, if there's a neuroscientist here that today, just don't, don't judge me. I'm, I'm just getting this all from Ted. Okay, so um, each neuron has inputs called dendrites, but only one output that channel these neurotransmitters to the dendrites, uh, which are, uh, um, and so we have approximately um, 40 types of neurotransmitters, uh, the most popular being uh, serotonin and um, dopamine. Uh, Every time your phone rings, you get a little dopamine high. And it's sending a signal to your body to answer your phone or not. And uh, 90% of serotonin, by the way, this is interesting, is produced in your stomach, not in your brain. How your stomach works has an, uh, a direct result of how you think. Isn't that fascinating? Serotonin, the happy, the happy, you know, when you kiss serotonin and oxytocin, those things are released. No kissing, but that's your, your so, and, and so there's two channels. Um, where, where are my notes here? Okay, so let me just move on. There, these are chemical messengers, serotonin and dopamine. Our mind, on the other hand, doesn't function like hardware. It functions like software. As our mind receives information from the, exten- uh, the external world, it compiles, analyzes, and interprets the data and chooses a response based on how it's been programmed. Now, I know, Karen, you're watching online right now, and so are you, Craig. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to help you or not because that programming has been nasty, but we're going to do our best. Here's what happens. <clears throat> so, your brain is physical, our mind is eternal. Before Christ, our mind was programmed by inputs of the world. All the data was stored in the hardware, uh, on, on, on the hardware was, was stored, and, and um, uh, all data. it's often assumed that mental and emotional problems are the result of the hardware. Well, no doubt there's some things that can take place with your mind's a little out of kilter, or your brain out of kilter, no, no doubt. But mostly, instead of blaming it on the hardware, uh, it's probably more a software issue, issue which can be rewritten. And we can redo our software. So our problem uh, largely come from how the software, the program, has been running in our brains. And your, our nervous system is mostly made up of brain spinal cord, mostly. But there's two channels. One is autonomic and one somatic. One of the, was for volitional, volitional control, and the other one you can't control. Here's what that means. That means if you want to lift your hand, you have control over that. Off it goes, and it goes. You have control over that, right? That, that is the, the other one, <laughs> the somatic system. The other one is the autonomic. That is, you didn't have to tell your heart when to beat just now, did you? No, it did that itself. You don't actually, I mean, probably if you worked on it, you could slow that up or speed it up or whatever. But there's just two in, the, in our nervous system. Those are the two channels that work. All right. So I can change how I feel by the way that I think. So let me, just a little bit further on the brain. 
and then I'll, I'll ease up a bit. Uh, our brains are photographic. They snap pictures of stuff. So what, it, it doesn't know what it's seeing. It's just seeing what it's seeing. So if I were to say, think of a time in your life when you were really, really, really enjoying yourself. Think of a time. What will happen is you'll have a picture. Am I right? Some of you might have a slideshow. Do you remember slides? Yeah. Uh, some of you might have a movie. But no doubt you'll have an image because that's how our, our brains work. You'll have an image. Remember a really, really good time? Remember that time in the beach? Remember the wind blowing? Ah, oh, you remember the smell? Yeah. So, so what you've seen and what you recall is able to invoke feelings and emotions and memories. Your mind is also uh, phonographic. It remembers sounds and songs. Put the lime in the coconut and drink it full up. Put the lime. It remembers that. It remembers tunes. It remembers that, right? Some you'd like to get rid of, but that one's still playing. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Take it easy. <clears throat> it's for, so our brains will tell us that our, that our pasts are real, that they're real. They'll, that's what your brains will tell us. Well, because it has data. It's got information. You've had a picture or you've had a sound. The moment you start to think about it, you feel like you're right back there again. We are even led to think that once we have a bad experience, there's nothing we can do about it, that we have to just live with it. That's a lie. Here, let me just tell you, that here's what happens. So, so uh, I can still hear the voice of my dad, happy or not happy. I remember a place in our barnyard where he was not happy, still hear his voice. Is that real? Dad's been dead for over a decade. It's not real. But it's carried someplace in me. Are you with me? It's someplace, but it's not real. But we think it's real. Oh, so you've had a traumatic experience. Everybody has. And you see a face. And it wasn't nice. And there's trauma that went with it. And there's emotion. There's fear. There's anger. There's hatred. There's all these emotions. If you think of that right now, if I say, moment, an image will come up. And with that image, will moment, but is that real? It's not real. Did it happen? Yes, it happened. Was it real? Because you're, you're here right now. There's no trauma. Oh, well, I'm preaching. That's traumatic enough. But you, are you getting what I'm saying? That's someplace carried within you, but it's not real. So if it's not real, why does it still hurt? Here's why. Because no longer is your dad or the abuser still hurting and abusing you. But now who is in control and who is the one that's doing that to you. It's you. And it's me. You say, no, 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 that happened then. Yeah, you yeah, know, but that happened then. That's gone. But today, as you rehearse it, as you repeat it, this still now becomes a real moment in your life. So here's my point. If I can change your memory, I can change how you feel, and I can change who you are. I'm here to say that you can do that. You're not a victim of your past. There's been things that have happened, yes, but we can walk with Jesus back into those moments and find healing, complete healing. Did it actually happen? Yeah. Are you now tied to that experience as in your, and is your identity tied to that experience? Not a chance unless you let it. You are way more powerful than you think. So we're able to renew our minds. Everybody, rich or poor, male or, male or female, all the same, some experiences are accumulated in our brain that you can't even remember 
and may not know that they're even there, but they influence and impact you because you've been conditioned, and I have been conditioned somehow by our pasts. You don't even know why, why things happen, but something happens in a moment like this, and I'll begin to bring them up again, and all of a sudden you'll go, hey, just a minute, and the anger will come up. It'll trigger you, maybe in worship. And the Lord, instead of trying to give you a thought that he's good, but your experience will say, oh, it's not been that good. And now there's a battle. Where's the battle? It's not going on out here. It's going on in here. Biggest battlefield on the planet between these two ears, our minds. That's the big battlefield. So how do you deal with your anger and your insecurity? Because you want to do this, you want to do that. And some people figure out, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it to the gym. I don't do that. Don't say you knew. Some people, some people take it to the pub. I get a trigger, I'm going to drink. Some people reach for an opioid. Some people reach for hot yoga. I, I'm just saying, make that up. I don't know what you do. Why, why people do that? Oh, I mean, whatever. It's not, I'm not. I'm just, I, just leave that one alone. Let's go back to the drugs and alcohol. It's a better uh, analogy. But what do we do when we have a trigger? We have to try and deal with it, and, but we don't know quite how to deal with it because it's so real. But if I can change the way that you think about that, I can change how you experience that. And this is what the Lord is getting at, that we can be transformed as we renew our mind and renew the way that we think. We become emotionally conditioned to act and think a certain way. Something goes into the eye, what happens comes into the eye, and your brain goes, uh, it sees something, uh, you know, black horse. It becomes now an image. Well, what happens, that'll actually trigger other parts of your body. It'll start to, it'll trigger your heart, it'll trigger your liver, your pancreas, your whatever's there, thymus, hypothymus, what is that? Pineal, what is Thyroid, that's what it is, yeah, yeah. Your hormones start, do you hear? This is what happens. It, it just does it. Why? Because of the image that you've got, and then it sends messages all over your body. If a, if, a, if, a, if a silvertip grizzly was charging at me, my mind would see that image, and it would tell my body to do something. Get the you-know-what out of there. Thankfully, and it doesn't even have, you don't have to think about that. See, now I wonder, do I run left, or do I run right, or I want, what happens is your whole system goes into full-on overdrive, and adrenaline is going, and you're running, before you're even moving, you're running. Because, this is because your brain has taken the information and now it's creating a sensation and it's releasing chemicals to your body and you respond. Same thing happens, but isn't it in, in traumatic experiences we've had, but isn't it amazing that the Lord wants to heal every one of those? He says he came to liberate all those who were bound. He came to set, set at liberty and, and release and open prison doors. This is, we don't even know that we're, that we're prisoners. We're, we're all just prisoners here of our own design. Vice, welcome to Hotel California. Sorry. Powerful, the emotion we get from that. If you think differently about yourself, you would be a different person. So if you change what you hold inside about yourself, others, and God, this will has a, have a huge impact on how you relate to yourself, to others, and God. This is, this is a big thing. Powerful because what happens, it, it creates the, these triggers for us. The movie is not real, but the memory is real. And so when we renew our mind, we renew the way we think, it changes the perception of that memory. And in fact, you can many times, if you were to think of a time when you were uh, 
um, pardon me, if you were to think of time when you had a, a really traumatic experience and you relive it, uh, it's, uh, yes, I've asked people to do this before, and I'll say, where were you? Well, I was standing at the side, I was watching it. Oh, well, it really wasn't real then, because you were here. Now you're watching it. You're even outside of yourself. So what happened was real, but how you're recalling it is not real. That's what I'm trying to say. It's, it becomes a thought process, and left to itself will become a stronghold, and it'll affect how you or we relate to others. You change your memories, you change you. And what we think and change and how we, review, or how we view the world from that point on. So what, these are the things that keep limits on us. They keep us back in that shame. You'll remember the moment, and, it's, and it was a shameful moment. It'll pull you right back into that shame if you're not careful. But we can change that. And how do we do that? Uh, we, re- we reverse the way it happened. We do the reverse of that. But uh, primarily what I want to talk to us today is about meditating on the Word and how this can change our lives. Uh, what happens when we meditate, and, and as we begin to absorb the word, world, word, we get a different view of our world. Uh, if, I, if I asked you to just think about, about a happy moment, you'd, you'd eventually begin to smile. If you think about that enough, you would actually think that your whole experience was like that. If you think about a negative experience, and now you begin to, and you're, you're, the same chemical reaction would take place in your body, and now you'd begin to live there over and over and over again. Listen, you can't have a good life with negative thoughts. Oh, you'll survive. Your heart will keep beating. Um, I, I like to tell young, co- when, I, when I do weddings, I like to tell a young bride and a young uh, groom, now you're no longer single, act differently. Go act like you're married. But I think I'm going to change that to, no, go think like you're, mar- like you're not single anymore. Because if you're not mentally monogamous, if you're, if you're mentally polygamous, eventually you're going to become polygamous. Are you here? Because your thoughts are prophets. If you can't think about only, keep your thoughts straight about your marriage. Listen, I, I just improved a few marriages here right now. Just learn to think good thoughts about your spouse. You got some spare time. You have 30,000 thoughts a day. Let's, can't you just channel a few positive ones towards your spouse? Anybody? Amen. All right, let's be mentally monogamous. All right, so neuroplasty is the brain neuro and plasticity is a mold. Instead of pouring our brain into the mold of the world, we're pouring, our brain, we're pouring into our brain the Word of God. I can't tell you how to think about the world right now, but I can encourage you to begin thinking about the Word. And as you allow that Word to find a place in you, the, your world will look a little different. Um, here's the applic- application. Uh, I call this resurrection thinking. And really what it is, is meditation. Um, Let's, let's just take that back from the New Age people, shall we? It originally was with us. Uh, I was meditating this week on Psalm 92 and verse 12 about pl- being planted in the house and dwelling in the house of the Lord, and I would have fruit in my old age, and I would stay green. Now, for some of you young people, you don't care maybe about staying uh, green, which means it doesn't mean like, it's not a political party or it's not an activist. It's what it is, being green. It's being movable. I got I to, you know what, I want my, if I start feeling my hip heave he seize up on me, I want to start thinking, no, 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 listen, brain, send a little help down to the hip, get that thing moving again, and begin to tell my body what to do. Your body's like your brain, it's waiting for an instruction. Okay, so resurrection thinking. Let the words, Psalm 19, verse 4, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. How are the meditations of your heart? Because your heart can meditate. 
Not just what you say, because sometimes you can trick yourself into believing what you said was true. But your heart won't lead you astray, because it knows. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Uh, This is how we renew our minds. Psalm 143, verse 5. I will remember the days of old. I will meditate on all your words. I will muse on your works. What are we doing? We're changing earthly thoughts for heavenly thoughts. Our thoughts for higher thoughts. And here's how I do it. There's three Ps. You ready? P number one, ponder. Take the, and it's actually a word, a biblical word, ponder. To ponder. What's that mean? First P, ponder. It's, it mean, it, it, essentially, it means uh, meditation uh, as a, a biological uh, description is like a cow chewing her cud. They have a bunch of stomachs, right? So don't get grossed out. They, they swallow their food and then they bring it back up again. Sorry online. They bring it back up. And what do they do? They're getting more nutrients out of it. They're chewing it again. It's called chewing your... God, this isn't new, right? They swallow it and then they bring it back up again. Up she comes and they chew it over a little bit more. It's right in the boots. I'm, damage, I'm damaging um, the young man in the front here. <laughs> Poor Jonah. And then you swallow it again, and you have, bring it back up again. You're, what, what are you doing? You're, you're, allow, you're, letting the med- you're letting the word dwell in you richly. That's what you're doing. When, I'm, when I go on vacations, I'll find five or six different verses that I want to dwell in me richly. I'll take them with me on the holidays. Put them on my phone or write them in my journal. As I'm sitting there in the airport and everybody else is watching CNN, I'm renewing my mind. Sitting down at the beach and you guys are ordering Coronas, I'm going, how shall a young man cleanse his ways? And I'm just being holy. I don't do that quite like that. But (laughs) those masks. No, but what I'm saying is that, sorry. No, but you're not. but, but, But the alternative is to take the word of the Lord with you wherever you go. Bible says he sent his word to heal. Let that word dwell in you enough that it's healing to every cell in your body. If I'm laying in bed in the morning, you can meditate in the morning, at night, all day. You can say, meditate at a stop sign. I mean, you can do this anywhere, anytime. It's so powerful. So, first thing you do is ponder. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Open your mind to understand. Read it out loud. Get different versions, and then I write it out. What am I doing? I'm, as I read it out loud, I'm hearing it. As I'm repeating, I'm reading it in different, I'm hearing it, I'm writing it. I'm getting different versions. Why? Because I don't want to, I'm not memorizing it, I want to understand it. What's he saying? In order to get to that, I need to do the next thing is personalize it. I'm personalizing it like this. I, I try to, li- I try to, uh, I close my eyes as I'm repeating a verse or I'm reading it, and I believe that the Lord is right there speaking to me. And then here's what I do. I listen for his voice. I listen for the, uh, the tone in his voice. Some of you think that the Lord's like barking at you. Yeah, I mean, if you grew up in a military home, you probably think everybody barks at you. But, but you, when I listen to the Lord, uh, and you know what? This has changed. His voice becomes soothing. You remember that song, He Walks With Me and He Talks With Me? And He Tells Me I Am His Own? And, and the voice I hear as I tarry there, none other has ever known. There's nothing like listening, reading the word and, and believing and just imagining that's the Lord speaking to me. And you'll listen to him. He's listening and he's waiting. He's often patient. I don't get it that quick. And then he'll just say a little bit, a little bit more. And then he often smiles. I realize this is all in my mind. But what am I doing? I'm renewing the thing because it's programmed to think that God's angry. It's programmed to think that I'm a victim. I have to reap. I got, I got to change. I got to get the software upgrade. 
That's what I'm trying to do. Point number two, or uh, uh, whatever we are, ponder, uh, personalize, and then the last thing is practice. Now I take it with me, and I begin to say, okay, now that this word is in me, how does that make me do something different today? How am I, since the, the words of my mouth and the meditations, are how they're acceptable in the Lord, how does, it actually makes me speak a little different. I'm a little slow to speak sometimes. So it's helping me to now pace my day. I put it in my, uh, when I put it in my, my uh, phone, and here's, here, if you want to go to the next level on this, determine that the word that you're meditating on that day, you're going to share with somebody. Don't preach. Share. And I promise you, the Lord will give you an opportunity to do it. If you're interested in sowing into other people, you take that word that's alive in you, and now when you give it away, what happens? You really own it. That's why pre preaching is so powerful for me. Because when I preach it, I, I'm the, I get to taste it first. When you, this, is the most, this is the best way to learn something. I'm learning. Thank you for, thank you for being my teachers today. Okay, class, you're dismissed. Joking. It's a hilarious right now, today, right now. Okay, I'm going to invite the team to come back up. One of the best books that I've read on addictive technology, I'm very nervous, sorry, I'm very concerned about the way I see technology taking over um, socially. And so, honestly, this is the best book I've ever read. On, it's called The Rise of Addictive Technology and the Business of Keeping Us Hooked. It's about, it's about how addictions work. It's called Irresistible. It's a secular book. Um, if you're nervous you know, about language, you better watch that one. But it's a good book, Irresistibility by Adam Alter. Um, uh, he says this, um, that willpower alone is not successful in breaking any addiction. <laughs> to me. Because we think, well, I'm just mm, going to do this. Resolutions of, of when you're, you know, in January, most of them by within 20 days, people just give up on them. And the, the rest of them give up by May. Um, seriously, that's what happens. Very few of us, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, good luck with that. So willpower, so then they thought, how about willpower with abstinence for breaking addictions? I'm just not going to, the phone's going to be over there. What are you doing? You're thinking of that phone, that dang phone right there. You're thinking, then you hear it vibrate and you go. Pah. It's addictive technology, it's a, it's a, it has become, a, how do you break it? How about suppression? It's interesting that they did a study and they found, well, surely we're going to find people who are sexual, sexually suppressed. And they went through the Bible Belt and found the Google searches of who actually is looking up erotic material online. It's all the sexually suppressed people. Why? Because it, it, just suppression and just, a, and just uh, determination is not going to be enough. But here's what they did find. They had a whopping 50 to 65% difference. Instead of giving them, say, don't think about this, they gave them an alternative to do. This is why, like, Nicoderm works reasonably well for breaking cigarettes because you can still put it on your lips and you still get a little nicotine hit. And it's just, it's like a, you swap the smoking for the gum. Anyway, um, I'd like to just testify about the, how, what happens when the Word of God gets into you. But if I were to say to you, nobody now think about a red Volkswagen, what's the first thing you think about? I know. And the, here's, what, here's how they made that work. They said, you know, you can think about, what, instead of, uh, you can think about the red Volkswagen, but an alternative, so a handful of them, half, the, half of the people on the test, they said, you can also think of a white bear. Well, by changing that, they had an 80% success rate because they give them something else to think about. Instead of listening to the lies that are bouncing around your head, what about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly? How about that? Replace those ungodly thoughts with godly thoughts. What'll start to happen? You'll start to become Christ-like. That's how it works. And the other thing they did, they called it, he called it a psychological lever. 
And this was, this was like over 80% successful. If you change the way you think about yourself, or your self-talk, instead of saying, I can't think about a red Volkswagen, you change it to say, I don't. What, what just happened? Instead of being forced not to do something, you actually have a choice. And now you say, I don't do that. I don't check emails before 5 a.m. in the morning. It's not that you can't, but you don't. You're taking your, you're taking your control back. That's what you're doing. Okay, let me get a little bit more spiritual. Uh, Genesis chapter 24, the first time, this is a law first mentions, the first time the word meditate is used. And it's from chapter 24 of uh, Genesis. And I love this. I was, uh, when I was, did the word search on this, I found out what, what was going in place here. It says, it says, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward the evening. Okay, you're wondering, okay, so what's he thinking about? Because there's no scripture. What's he doing? Well, Isaac had a lot that he could think about. I do this every time when I go hunting. He, he, he had, he's out in the field. What could he be doing? Well, he could be thinking about that angel voice when he was on the altar. None of us have heard of an angel voice. Well, maybe some of us have, but he could have been thinking about that altar, actually, and getting off that altar. And phew, could have thought that. He could be grieving because his mom has just died. He could be thinking about that. He's meditating. I have a hunch he's something else he's meditating on. He's meditating on the generational promises from him, from Abraham, his father, that he said that they're going to be a great nation and you're going to be the father of many. Well, how, what's he doing? But he hasn't got a wife yet. Okay, that's a bit problematic for having children. But as he was meditating, it says, and, and, uh, as, and Isaac went out to the field to meditate toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes, and he saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And guess what was on the camels? Rebecca. What happens when we meditate, we create a pathway for the blessing of the Lord to bring to fulfillment his promises in our life. There's generational promises that you and I have yet to claim because of experience we've had in our life and you think you're disqualified or something. I'm going to make some declarations over us right now. I think that one of the other things that could have happened, by the way, I, 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 while I'm uh, hunting, uh, I do this many times, or when you're walking, you can begin to see the beauty of the Lord in all of creation. You can sit at a sun sunset and you can meditate on how great is our God. You can look at a leaf and you, can, you look at it for a while. This isn't navel gazing. It's going the wonder of a leaf and these little veins and as it changes color. And if, we, if you just be still and know that He is God, the meditation from that will remind you of how powerful He is, how creative He is, how awesome He is. And get your thoughts off some of the YouTubes you've been watching and get them onto the greatness of God. How great is your God? Lifting up our thoughts for higher dimensions. Isaiah 55, and I say this in closing. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts, are not, uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow, amen, come down from heaven and don't return, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout and giving seed to the sower and the bread. So is my word that, that goes out from my mouth. It will not return unto me void. When we take the word of the Lord and we allow it to meditate, it will not return 
void. It's up to us to plant it. It will not return void. And then it says this, for you're going to go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. What's he saying? He's saying once we are able to get a hold of God's thoughts, our whole world begins to change. And instead of coming up thorns, what will come up is the cypress. And instead of briar will come up myrtle. And it shall be as a name unto the Lord and an everlasting sign. What are you doing? You're proving the will of the Lord. You're proving his promises for generation to generation. But it requires you and I to take some time to meditate on this. And how great is our God? Can he fulfill his word? Well, does he forget his word? Does he need to be reminded of his word. That's what we do. We need to rethink and think on what's true and what's honest and what's honorable and what's of good report. And I close with this because I want us to remember how great is our God. For many of us, our God is too small. This whole pandemic thing has taken him all by surprise and he's all jittery and whatever. That's leading our, leading our country? Absolutely. You think that's taken him all by surprise? It's okay. How great is your God? Is he big enough to handle a pandemic? Dear Lord, I hope so. How big is he? How big is our God? It says in Psalm 139, Oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I get up. You know when I sit down. You discern my thoughts even from afar. He knows, that can be terrifying to think that he knows our thoughts even from afar. But I'm saying our thoughts now are becoming his thoughts because we're meditating on his words. And then he says, you searched out my path and you went before me, um, and I'm just gonna, even if I rise in the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, your, your hand will still lead me there. Nothing will stop you from leading me if I want to be led. For you formed me in the inner parts and knit me together. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows that very well. Your eyes saw me in that unformed substance. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. When I think about that, rather than, oh, God must have some bad thoughts about me. No, 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 how precious are his thoughts about us. He's got good thoughts about you. Time, you got good thoughts about yourself. Are you hearing me? Man, I put a lot of effort into sharing that. I'm going to make some declarations. Would you, would you agree with me? Stand up, dim the lights. There's two times that our hearts are shapeable. One is in meditation and one is in worship. We move from an alpha state to a beta state. And your, ba your, your mind now is beginning to allow things to, truths to drop into them. If you know this song, it's how great is our God. We need a, we need a vision of an almighty, all-powerful God. Amen? Our God is omniscient. He can't learn anything. He never misunderstands and nothing escapes his notice. His his mind is never overwhelmed by the size of the galaxy or the threat of nuclear disaster. He's always at peace and he knows every outcome and every option and every decision, every detail that led up to that decision in every era of time. He knows the temperature on every star and he knows the shape of every snowflake. And he made, and he made up, it's made up of every, the, every molecule he knows about and he never changes. There is no shadow of turning in thee. He understands every mystery because he has instant access to every fact. He's never puzzled or panicked and his plans are foolproof and he never forgets. He is always cheerful, always kind and always good. He knows every strand of your DNA and every ancestor in your family tree. He knows every quirk in your personality and every bruise in your childhood. He knows every trial and every trauma and every triumph in your life that you have ever had or will have. 
He knows every rejection you've faced, every abuse you have every victory that you have celebrated. He knows every good deed you have made and every bad deed that you have made. But he's patient because he knows every outcome. He's cheerful because he knows every plan. He is powerful and he's never afraid. So why should I be afraid? You've searched me. You know me. You searched my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. How great is our God. Lift your hands as we sing it together. Get a fresh vision and a fresh revelation of how great our God really is. Sing it from your heart if you believe it, please. How great. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.